State of Digital Publishing is creating a new publication and community for digital publishing and media professionals in new media and technology. In this episode, we speak with Alex Williams, founder of The New Stack, on how to get into tech journalism and to better develop audiences focused on software engineers. Let's begin. How are you, Alex? I'm great. I'm great. Thank you for having me on your show. Awesome. You mentioned that you were on the road. I hope everything's going well. It's been a good trip. Came up to Seattle from Portland and met with some people. And I'm a journalist by trade, so I always love having chats and talking about things. And I find I learn so much by being on the ground. That's awesome. Yeah, I think practical being on the ground always helps you, gives you a more clear perspective of things. For everyone who doesn't know about the new stack and about your background, do you mind just providing people, yeah, just explaining your background? Yeah, great. I'm a journalist by trade. I started working in daily newspapers in the late 80s and went on to work for magazines and uh, one magazine in particular and then went into broadcast for a little bit and moved online. And, there, you know, I think, well, I started getting really interested in, in technology back in the mid 90s and went kind of, you know, had a journalism career and then went into marketing for a little bit just to help uh, keep the uh, the household funded. But that was a great experience in itself. And then in 2003, 2004, I started doing webcasting and I did an event called RSS Winterfest. Cool. And that was an online event and it was all about, you know, RSS and it covered and it crossed between a webcasting environment and environment and IRC and a wiki. And it taught me a lot about asynchronous communications and I think really kind of helped me kind of better understand, you know, why social media did have such a big impact on, you know, on all our lives, because this is really kind of something that came out of, I think that early work, you know, on the read, write web, but I went into tech blogging kind of in a, as a full-time kind of way in 2008, 2009. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I covered the enterprise and I was really interested in, in writing about how these, new ways of thinking about the read right web were affecting the way that you know it was managed and i found pretty much it wasn't really in consideration then i kind of realized later that really the developers were really the ones who were making the shift here or were they were the one commanding the shift that kind of carried carried me through a lot through the work i did at read right web and then and then later at TechCrunch. and TechCrunch is a great publication but it's all a lot about breaking news and I thought, you know, there's an opportunity here to kind of be to do more explanation analysis about these technologies because they're evolving so rapidly and they do speak to why there's so many startups out there, right? There's just so much disruption in technology stacks. And I thought, well, you know, if I was going to start something, would it be an enterprise blog? Would it be a cloud blog? And I thought, you know, we're, those terms really don't think, don't really cover it. And I was asked to start a publication and I thought about it and thought about it and wrote kind of this kind of plan for it. I'm like, you know, the new stack makes sense as a name. And that helped kind of crystallize a lot because what we were really trying to do was provide explanation analysis about at scale development, deployment, and management. You know, scale is the one thing everyone wants, right? They want to build out their operations. They want to be more connected and scale affects everyone. And so this has been a real kind of a golden opportunity because there was lots of changes happening kind of in how people think about their own IT infrastructure and the cloud services that are out there. But at the heart of it, scale is the big question. So that's been really our focus. 
uh, since the beginning when we started in April 2014. You mentioned that, how you worked at TechCrunch. Why do you think like more of those type of tech publications are more attractive? Because DevOps, you know, like you said, it's about scale, it's about the stack. Why do you think uh, tech, sites like TechCrunch have been considered more than DevOps publications, for example? Well, I think, you know, TechCrunch did a great job. They got off to a very strong start in the beginning and just rode that wave of venture capital investment. And they were able to really closely cover the venture capital community and the startups that were part of that community. And I just think they were at the right time at the right place. And they really kind of like surpassed many of the players who were out there. Rewrite Web is a shadow of its former self. There's uh, VentureBeat, you know, it's still there, but TechCrunch really dominates the space. Uh, GigaOM, you know, had a uh, fallout. They had a, pretty, yeah, had a good presence, but now it's not as, yeah, it's had a fallout like it's said. They had to close their shop and then they bounced the people to help start up again, but it's really not, it's much different than it is, than it was before. Yeah. And so, you know, in my view, it's, you know, TechCrunch does a great job of covering the news and like about what's happening at the moment, you know, kind of breaking stories and writing funding news. There's just a big market for that because it hits across consumer and tech publications. We really write for software engineers and developers. So we're definitely going to be more narrow in how we kind of define our editorial voice. And I just think that's just, you know, the difference in you've seen historically with, you know, in the industry that has, you know, formed around, you know, news coverage, right? Where there's always going to be a need for peoples with, you know, who are more specialized yeah. and need, you know, ways to kind of help understand kind of the seeming chaos that surrounds them all the time, you know, with all these, especially as open source software has become more popular and that's kind of creates a whole different approach to how you think about. I think as well, like there's other publications more like referring back to TechCrunch, it's more B2C as well, like people who tech enthusiasts want to look at devices, products, they read more of those as well. Whereas, you know, the new stack like yourself, it's more B2B and you are able to target the professionals. So that's my perspective anyways, I thought. In terms of, you know, just training to become a journalist in a company like your company, a publication, is there a difference? It's technically still a tech journalist, right? But is there a difference in the type of training or type of development that is required from a career perspective? Is there a training that's required? I think it's experience, really. You know, I was taught as a journalist in my early days that if you're a young journalist, you're coming in with almost no experience in anything in the world. But you can learn a lot about it. If you have to cover city government, you're going to have to learn something about public works, for example. Or there's always issues of, you know, any city will have a kind of a, have to think about the infrastructure as it relates to water and sewage. And so you end up learning more about water and sewage and how the infrastructure is built for that. And then what are the costs of that? And those are just things you need to know. I mean, to be able to report the story. So you have to ask a lot of questions and do your own research. And I think that's true of coverage in our space too. Do you need to have like hands-on experience? Because it is about talking about different stacks. Do you find that more journalists need to have that technical hands-on experience or because a lot of times what i've heard as well is that it's better to be have that background and then become a writer rather than becoming a writer and then trying to get that background yeah i think there's there's something to say about that i mean i'm not a developer i never have been a developer my father was a hospital administrator Mm -hmm. he was never a doctor but 
he learned an awful lot about kind of the profession. And I think that's kind of where I come from. It's the, you can learn enough to write about it clearly. Now, I will say this, that we do seek out developers who can write on topics that are relevant to our community out there and they're invaluable. And I, but I think, you know, in the end, if you're a journalist, you have a curiosity about technology, you can cover it in a manner that is accurate and helpful for people. A lot of it does require, you know, making sure you have the people who you can go to for verifying what you're writing, making sure that it's accurate. It's in many respects, just kind of like focusing on the fundamentals of being a good journalist. Uh, definitely. I, I guess, yeah, I agree with that as well. It's a, it's a good point of view. Just with in terms of the new stack, I guess if we can take a step back a bit, you said that in terms of your beginnings, like where did you start and how did you grow to where you grow to today? When I was at Read Write Web, we had a channel called Read Write Hack, and I was you know kind of responsible for managing that. I couldn't believe how much traffic the stories were generating for developers. And a lot of it was these articles that we were reading from developers that were uh, the developers were writing about on their blogs. And so at Read Write Web, our focus was on saying, let's just kind of like try to summarize this topic and then share it with our readers. And the, the traffic was just boomed. You know, that taught me that with explanation and analysis, this will be useful for people who are just trying to figure things out. And just recounting the experience I had with write stories that did reach a developer community, they were read voraciously. And I think that speaks to kind of the public perceptions about developers and how they've been treated over the years. Because until really recently, they were in the back room, right? They were considered almost grunts, you know, and now they, and they really kind of like built their own world for themselves. And because they really, a lot of them are just built to want to make things more efficient and more effective and be able to develop more quickly. And that movement really was an organic one in itself. And we kind of feel like that community is always looking for ways to kind of, you know, to learn more. And so I was pretty confident from the start that we'd be able to effectively reach this community. And the other thing is, too, is that you mentioned like TechCrunch and these other publications. You know, if you look at their coverage, they write lots about Microsoft, Google, Facebook, lots about the very big companies. They'll cover product news and stuff from the smaller companies. But there's not that many outlets left for people to like go to for coverage. And the ratio of like PR people to journalists is... God, I can't even venture to guess. 20, 30, 40 to 1, 50 to 1, 100 to 1? It's so unbalanced. You know, one of the things we've really tried to iterate with our sponsors, like, hey, we want to help you kind of create a space for yourselves so you can have some effect on how people think about a particular subject matter. So, Alex, just on that point, so in terms of then, you know, you got these articles and then you built out the website, I guess, I noticed, like you mentioned, you've given the space to a lot of the sponsors. Did you then like decide to structure the site in that way in different topic hubs so that you can support the sponsors? Or how did you then progress to that path of building out? Our focus is on explanation and analysis. And so that's critical. That creates an opportunity for a sponsor to explain something that will often will be as popular as an article as you'll see something written by 
one of our writers on our the news side of, of the news stack. So we find that, that that's effective. We did not really organize the site for what I think what you're thinking about in terms of our categories and our hubs. Yep. The hubs are kind of a work in development and we're looking at that as a way for people to quickly be able to reference information on particular topics. Now, you know, I don't know how, you know, sponsors may fit into that at some point, but more so we're focused on doing event-based coverage, doing eBooks, taking contributed posts, working with sponsors on all those kinds of things. So they become part of this kind of narrative for how things really work. And that it seemed to be effective uh, approach. And I guess just from first impression, it seems that most of the monetization that comes from sponsors, is that correct? Or do you have you diversified that? We, we're entirely funded by sponsorship. I understand. Okay. Does that present any challenges or, or do you see any further opportunities from that model or? I think for them, because of the focus on explanation and analysis, we kind of like strike a balance between like a, a traditional kind of news operation mm-hmm. and an analyst group. We kind of fit right up the middle. And, you know, we're not a breaking news operation, but we will follow the news cycle. And so that gives us a chance then to really kind of look into issues. And so we're looking more for the explanation and the analysis. One of the things we're very strict about, though, is Joe Jackson. Libby Clark is our editorial director, and Joe Jackson is our managing editor. Joe Brand runs the news side of the operation. And so I always am very clear that, you know, with sponsors, like to say, you need to talk to Joe about a news story. You know, that's his domain. And if Job decides it's not worthy, then that's the way it is. That's his decision. And so we really try to keep those things separated. There is an editorial marketing crossover, and that's where Libby comes into play. She, Libby runs the editorial operation for the company. She just joined us from the Linux Foundation. And so she works with me and works with, you know, Job. And so I work with her on more sponsored materials. Our focus is really to keep editorial separate under Job so he can really run the news operation. Like he has the confidence to like run stories that he thinks are merited in being run. You know, so that's how we balance it. You know, it can get tricky at times, you know, I mean, but the sponsors have been pretty good about it. They get it. You know, they're not going to try to push something and get it back just because they think we, they, you know, we'll do them a favor. If they have a contributed post, you know, they want us to look at, we'll, we'll look at their posts like, before we look at the other ones though, you know, and we'll give them feedback about whether we think it's viable or not, you know, so that's kind of where we sit with things. Um, it's worked out for the most part. We have had some stories that we just felt we had to run kind of for, because it was important for the community. And so our first real focus is on those readers, that community that comes to the new stack, who kind of comes to us for that analysis. There's one story we ran that was, you know, involved one of our sponsors. And it was one of these stories we just couldn't ignore, right? Yep. It was just such an important story and we ran it. It had its fallout to some extent, but we had to do it. And so we inevitably will have to face that issue again at some point. How do you guys make sure that you keep current with the information that community members are looking for? What are some of the sources of truth that you guys look at to be able to keep fresh, but um, not go down the path of breaking news? You know, I think it's just through our research that we're always doing, right? Where we keep in, you know, we keep very close look at open source communities that are, you know, that are growing and we get to know the people in those communities. That's very important to us. You know, we're on the ground quite a bit. 
And so, you know, we're reporters by trade, so it's kind of our job to make sure we do know what's happening. Does that mean you guys are going to the events, you're actually going to companies and asking them specific questions, like hands-on? Yeah, where it's it's not, it's, you know, it's, there's no kind of secret sauce there. It's basic kind of like fundamental journalism. Okay, I understand. For a new journalist who wants to get into the tech space, how do you think is best for them to break through and, you know, be considered or be noticed by organizations and publications like your publication? That's a good question. I think we're always looking for people who want to learn how to be a part of this world that we write about. I think it's been a fantastic opportunity for writers. It has so many, I mean, first of all, I say the, the writing life is a good life. And I've always believed that. I just think it's a wonderful lifestyle if it appeals to you. You get to travel, you get to like, you know, make some money. You're never going to be, I mean, you may have some venture that you do in life, but mm -hmm. for the most part, you're doing it, you know, because it's sustainable. You know, you can make a living doing it. You know, I think people who are young and want to get into the technology space and be technology writers, they should think about understanding better the technology itself. Because if you can learn the technology, understand it, you can write about it more effectively and your stories will just be better. And it'll give you then the opportunity to write for a publication like the new stack and we're always looking for people so what would be like a standout way or has it been examples of people that have caught your eye or journalists that have caught your eye yeah i mean there's like we hired someone well there's our podcast producer kieran oliver i read one of an article he was writing for a technology company and i just thought it was pretty good and we got in touch and he started writing for us as a freelancer and then helped started managing our podcasts and now is our podcast producer. We have people like T.C. Curry, who had been a technical writer, but now writes for us quite a bit. Now, we have other writers like Alex Handy, who has been a journalist for a long time, wrote for SD Times, and now is writing for us. I think, you know, what I learned when I was learning about this space was just to write about it effectively, I had to kind of research every kind of technical term that I was writing about. And... I think just the reading in itself was immensely valuable. And I can't stress that more, that if you're interested in the space, try writing about something and then trying to then, and as you're writing about it, start doing the research and then see what you find. And I think that's a path that you can take to like start really learning how to be a journalist who can cover this space effectively. What should they start writing about? Should they start writing like reviews on specific stacks or specific products that might come out from a B2B perspective? Or what do you think is the best angle they should start off with? Or how or should they like become an expert in a specific niche? Or what's the best way to help them be known for something? I, guess? I would say one of the thoughts would be, look around and see what you're interested in. I was always interested in infrastructure. I was always interested in the plumbing. I thought that was a fascinating topic. Mm -hmm. So I just read tons about it. If you're interested in front-end development, read up on that. You know, look at all the companies that are in that space. If you're interested, look at the product news that they're introducing. Keep track of them and you might find an opportunity just to like reach out to them and write a story about something that they've introduced and you write it, put it on your own blog. That's a very effective way to get noticed. You know, learn about something, write them what you've learned and what you know. That should be you know, a real opportunity. Understood. Alex, I guess just to move towards the conclusion of our chat, I guess, how do you think in terms of looking ahead and looking at now, so how do you think your publication and other publications have shaped the industry in general? 
today. I think, you know, for the news stack, we just fill that need out there to provide explanation analysis about complex technologies that are very new, that are very emerging. And explanatory journalism is not new, right? Yeah. So I think there's going to be a continued need for that. And I think the pendulum has has swung so far in terms of like clickbait and, and racy headlines and kind of constant breaking news that a lot of it is lost in the process. And I personally believe that there's all kinds of opportunities for journalists to focus on explanation analysis in multiple sectors of the market, tech or, or even in other spaces, such as how cities work or how governments work or how local communities work. I think that's kind of an opportunity out there right now. And yeah, how, how do you think that's impacted tech vendors or tech providers as well? Has it helped them innovate the explanatory journals? Has that provided them an avenue to develop more streamlined tech stacks? Or how do you see that um, contribution towards tech vendor development? Well, I think that tech vendors rely on publications like ours. They want people to help understand their technologies. They need to have it from an independent source. And I think, though, on the other side of the coin is that the most effective you know, technology organizations are those that really have a, uh, a focus on self-publishing, really. Mm-hmm. You know, keep being very thematic about it. I think part of the responsibility that they have is to be able to explain themselves clearly and effectively. And they can do that through blogging. And I think then we serve as kind of a place to really further explore and analyze. And I think that sponsors, for example, have found us very effective because you know we write this in-depth explanatory work, these in-depth explanatory works. I mean, we did a five-part series on the ebook series on the Docker and container ecosystem. Okay. That the pass around, we know that that's being passed around all the time, and the downloads have been considerable. So that helps them teach their customers, their prospective customers, what these new technologies are all about. How do you see tech journalism moving forward and the new stack moving forward? I think tech journalism moving forward will continue to see the publications like TechCrunch out there. And I think TechCrunch, you know, is just going to dominate in the short term. I think, you know, the publications that are, they've been around for 20 years or so, I think they're trying to find their way to find new avenues. You know, I don't really think that they're ever going to come into our space. I don't see how they really could because the models are just so different. Yep. So I think the models that we're building at the new stack are, you know, are sustainable on the long term, especially as we look for more ways to do the coverage, right? We're always kind of looking for really good presentations or people who are doing interesting work. And the technology is universal and people all over the world read the new stack. But they're all from some place, right? They're all, you know, I'm in here in Seattle, I'm meeting technologists. You know, I could be in Amsterdam and talking to technologists. So I think that's the real challenge for publication like ours is like, we have to be compelling. We have to be relevant. We have to provide analysis. And if we continue to do that, we should be just fine. Does that mean you guys would be potentially be segmenting by geographic location or your publication or what, what do you see this strategy? that but i think you know we want to get out into the world more and be in seattle to cover meetups and stuff that's just where there's a lot of material out there that's helpful to people and we want to bring it to the to our community right okay is there any future plans or anything that you can share with our audience or or anything else that you'd like to share with the audience on new stuff well our ebook series are really great places to learn if you're interested in like these complex technologies i mean I think for anyone out there, they'd be smart to learn about how IT is changing. And that's what we write about. 
And I think what we're seeing is this full-on shift to container-based architectures. And people can learn more about that if they read the new stack. But that's going to really affect how development is done, not just on the infrastructure side, but it's also going to start to have a much more deeper impact on how iOS apps are developed or Android apps are developed. So we're seeing this kind of this server-side push out there, and I would just recommend people to pay attention to that. As for us, in terms of our future, we'll continue to do these eBooks. I think you'll see us do more live streaming and more podcasting. We're always looking for new mediums so we can tell these stories effectively, but with different contexts. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for joining us today. Well, thank you very much for reaching out. I enjoyed the interview. Likewise, I did as well. Thanks very much. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the State of Digital Publishing Podcast. Listen to past and upcoming episodes across all major podcast networks. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and join our community groups. Finally, visit stateofdigitalpublishing.com for premium information, resources, and become a member today. Until next time.